At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. It's been fun getting ready. We're seeing numbers percolating everywhere. Week zero, week one lines are out in addition to game of the year which has been out for a little bit some win totals some futures and i know a gentleman who has been grinding away at all these numbers and has certainly been firing away as well one of my favorites over at the action network make sure you check out him and stucky all throughout the college football season the one and only colin wilson follow him on twitter at underscore colin one mr wilson i was uh we were just chatting briefly off uh offline How's uh, how's this so-called off-season been for you? <laughs> it's not an off-season in college football anymore. We got a transfer portal window that's got two separate periods. Uh, we're changing rules up so that the playoff is going to go into late January. Uh, media days start up in July. We have, I think, we're turning into the NBA. I think college football is trying to follow the NFL and just take over every month of the year. Well, it is certainly uh, certainly looking that way, and we're going to kind of bounce all over the place because I know you've got different bets, and I want to hit on different things, but hit on different topics as well. Uh, I was going to spend 15 minutes nerding out on the Notre Dame game time schedules, uh, but uh, I think we'll pass off of that. But uh, I actually do, speaking of Notre Dame, and we'll start week zero because you had a tweet about the week zero slate, which is, as most years are, not the sexiest, but we got the Heisman Trophy winner. Caleb Williams playing in week zero against San Jose State. They're north of a four-touchdown favorite. And we've got Notre Dame 
uh, over in Ireland taking on Navy. Uh, you have your power ratings out. You're ready to go. We'll start with that Notre Dame-Navy game, which is you know always a unique uh, spot. Uh, your colleague, Stuckey, uh, has, uh, has basically a, a, a rule written in stone north of two touchdowns in a service academy game. He's going to take the points. Got three touchdowns right now for the Irish. Uh, I do like the situational spot for Notre Dame in the sense, Colin, that they don't have to just kind of randomly prepare for this in October or November when it normally falls. So they get the full offseason to properly prepare for Navy. But I know this is a Navy team that the market is a little higher on this year, six and a half win total. I think I looked at your power ratings. You seem to be a little bit higher on the mids. Uh, at 21, is that worth a look for you for the mids over across the pond? Well, there's a lot of things going on here where I do like Navy. First off, my power rating is lower than the 21 that's out, out there right now. But it's not just power rating. Let's look at these two teams. I am not a fan of what Notre Dame has done on the offensive side of the ball. Not that I had a lot of love for Tommy Rees, and I've talked to you about this for years. Like Tommy Rees is very conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, he likes to run the ball a lot, feed the tight end a lot. Now we have a first-time offensive coordinator, a first-time play caller, uh, and, and I'm not sure that this is exactly what Notre Dame's goal was to have as an offensive coordinator, but I'm not sure that they have the pieces, uh, you know, to run what it is that they want. They lost, you know, some, some good talent from the running back stable out to the portal. Uh, Michael Mayer has gone on to the NFL, uh, you know, quarterback situation with Sam Hartman is going to be there, but he's a play action guy that likes to hit deep bombs. Uh, he runs that mesh RPO. So there's a lot of things changing with Notre Dame and how conservative are they going to be on offense when you've got a quarterback that can light it up is what I'm really interested in. And then when you look at the flip side, I love Navy because of what they have brought in. They are going to, if you haven't been watching any Kennesaw state football, uh, it is a brand of triple that is really exciting to watch much like the much like coastal Carolina. Uh, I, I think the coaching staff that they brought in has, has put in renewed vigor. They've got, uh, you know, a decent amount of returning production coming back, no matter if you take that from the portal or the roster that's coming back. Um, but, you know, then again, it's Navy. They can't have any uh, any uh, uh, portal experience coming in. But, you know, Navy does have a lot more coming in, and, and I love the new style that they're going to – they're going to have a couple wrinkles here in the triple they're going to play, uh, more aggressive defense. And I, I agree with Stucky in the fact that it's service academy. It's, it, you know, it's two scores. You're going to play that. But I'm not going to hit that right now. Because you know as well as I do, Notre Dame is a brand name like the Yankees, and this number is only going to go up. And I respect S SP Plus, you know, as much as anybody else. And the number for them is much higher than 21. And when you, you know, when the mass public gets a hold of that and they see that there's this huge discrepancy between Notre Dame and Navy, they're going to fall into Notre Dame. There's going to be more tickets written on them. I think it'll go higher than 21. And I'm just going to sit back and I will enjoy a Navy ticket on week zero. Yeah, I, I'm not going to really disagree with you there. Uh, uh, history has said in the uh, last time they played across the pond 11 years ago, Notre Dame won that game going away. But, you know, I, I don't know much. You know, I'm curious about Navy. They bring back a lot of returners, which is good. And I was surprised that they parted ways with Kenny Mazzalolo, especially the way that they were playing down the stretch where, you know, if that Notre Dame-Navy game in Baltimore is 62 minutes, I think they might win that game the way that they were closing it out. Uh, they beat UCF. Uh, they lose to Army in overtime. So I was surprised, but maybe they need the change in the guard. And as you mentioned, I I'm curious to see that offense moving forward there for the mids in the American. And, you know, like I said, we're going to kind of bounce all over the place with Colin here because I know he's prepared for any curveball I'm going to throw him. So let's jump to the American Athletic Conference. And I don't know if you do have a, a bet on it. I'm pulling up the odds right now. 
at FanDuel. Uh, I know you had a couple overs that you liked, and we can get to those teams specifically, but Tulane is the favorite, understandably so, especially with the the defections, I should say, of Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. Uh, So Tulane right now, plus 175, Memphis at plus 450. Is there any angle you're looking to attack, you know, could UTSA potentially bring back Zakari Franklin? I've heard some rumors that that's a possibility, maybe unlikely. He's in the portal right now, uh, you know, a thousand yard receiver. Any angle that you've looked at when it comes to the American Athletic Conference come the futures market? Well, you are getting some of the com- old Conference USA teams in there. You're getting UAB with the new coach. Uh, you know, you're getting Charlotte in there. And Conference USA, from a power rating perspective, was lower than the AAC last year. So what you're looking for is teams in the AAC that can take advantage of a schedule that may be a little bit softer than usual. And the primary candidate on my list was the over that I took on Memphis over seven. I think it was plus money. And I I think that's going to continue to move. They return, you know, their quarterback, Seth Hennigan, 88% of their offense is coming back. They were top 50 in finishing drives and success rate. They can light up the scoreboard like there's no tomorrow. And they benefit from one of the softer schedules in the AAC and, um, you know, I think from a win total perspective, they're an excellent buy. When you look at Tulane, yeah, they do bring back about 68% of their offense. Of course, they're going to lose Spears, but they do bring back Michael Pratt. This was a, t- a team that was top 20 in finishing drives. And when I say finishing drives, if you've never heard that term before, it's how many points do you put up after your team crosses the 40? We did it. I did a study at Action Network last year, and I'm going to refresh these numbers and bring them out here this summer. But there is a direct correlation between finishing drives and covering the number. It's not even close. Like, it's not success rate. It's not havoc. The one that ties into cashing tickets is finishing drives. And I think a lot of that, you know, the more I talk to coaches is defensive coordinators are willing to give up the middle of the field, and they want to protect the end zone. So they're willing to, you know, rush three, drop eight. So that kind of negates how good you are in success rate because you can get first downs all you want in the middle of the field. It doesn't mean you're putting points up on the board. Getting back to Tulane, they're going to be able to move the ball because this is Willie Fritz. This is his offense. I don't expect a decline in finishing drives. So I love them to be at the top and the upper echelon of the AAC. From an odds perspective, remember this is a, a round robin. There's no divisions. So you would want to look at a team like Memphis to make that final game. Uh, I've got you know projections for Tulane to be there at the end, but really Florida Atlantic. The when you look at group of five, te- a group of five you know, teams and conferences, this is where you can turn it around immediately. And I say that as somebody that cashed a UAB 20 to one to win conference USA a couple of years ago after they, you know, went zombified and, and, and they didn't have a program. And then they all of a sudden win the conference. I really, you know, like Florida Atlantic this season because of the hire of Tom Herman. Now they already had pieces and, you know, you could see them get guys in the portal and you can, you know, they got 82% coming back. On offense, 88% coming back on defense is a pretty bad defense last year. But, you know, Tom Herman is going to be able to flip this program around with a nice little schedule. They're going to be a contender in the AAC. So the Owls are definitely a team I'm going to be taking a flyer on to win the conference. A couple things I just want to circle back on. Uh, Memphis, you mentioned seven and, you know, a lot of people out there like yourself, they attack the markets as soon as they see them and they move. Um, you know, FanDuel's had at eight and a half, but DraftKings still sitting at seven and a half on Memphis. Juice to the over, so you're not getting that plus money that you got, Colin. But at, at minus 120 over seven and a half, would that still be a look for you on Memphis? Yeah, I make it I make it nine point one. And just because I've already backwards engineered all the numbers, I know Bill Conley makes it like eight point seven ish. 
So yeah, this is a play all the way. Seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half is where you're going to stop it at uh, minus one ten. And then the last one, we don't have game of the, well, we do have game of the year lines, and you know, unfortunately, odds makers don't think like you and I and think that Tulane hosting Ole Miss in week two is worthy of a game of the year line. I would love to see it, but it is not out there. Is that going to be a spot? <laughs> you know, rarely you get these G five teams hosting. Uh, a power five team, especially an SEC team. It just, it doesn't happen all that often. And we saw Tulane last year, albeit with Tajay Spears, you know, go on the road to Manhattan and, and beat a really good Kansas state team that ultimately won the big 12 in your head. Are you looking for maybe North of a touchdown in a particular, you know, spot where Tulane, I believe Colin for the first time ever is hosting an SEC team at Yulman stadium. That'll be week two, September 9th. Yeah, I mean, this is, I would love seven. This is a game, I'm looking at my power ratings, I'd make it about six and a half. So if you okay. can give me a touchdown or more, I would absolutely love to take this. And, and you know, the thing is, is how much is Ole Miss going to be focused after they play Mercer? Uh, you know, they're going to go down and <laughs> this is crazy. Because you have to remember, what Tulane, what they know on campus and what the players know and what the coaches know, and people maybe don't realize this, they're former SEC champions. Now, I know it's like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, right? <laughs> but they're, they're still hanging banners down there. I've been to Tulane's campus. I've had Crawfish. I've been to Yuleman. It, they still hang banners about being SEC champions. So don't think for a second that this isn't like a Super Bowl, you know? And, and how fired up is Ole Miss going to be? They, they do have Georgia Tech the next week at home. I'm not sure they're going to be, you know, I'm not sure they're going to be have any kind of overlook. But on the schedule is at Alabama on September 23rd. So you've got to think the Mercer Tulane Georgia Tech is simply, you know, Lane trying to get his offense in sync before the huge matchup with Alabama at the end of September. But yes, I would be a buyer at seven uh, all the way. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. And, and Lord knows I won't hear the end of it from Sean uh, on uh... – <laughs> On that, but, uh, you know, I'll be pulling for him. I, he still hasn't stopped talking about the USC game. But, you know, my my caveat to that, Colin, is when he starts talking about how Tulane beat USC, I just I just say, well, yeah, clearly that's the best team in Tulane history. And that kind of stops him right in his tracks because he, you know, wants the 98 team. To be <laughs> he doesn't want to hear that. Yeah, you know, well, well, you know, I was like, well, Michael Pratt, clearly the best quarterback in school history, too. I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, Colin uh, – Ole Miss, um, win total seven and a half. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the start of their season against Mercer. You, you, what do you make of what they've done in the portal at the quarterback position? Because Jackson Dart stays. They go out and get, you know, 30-year-old Spencer Sanders. And then they bring in Walker Howard from LSU, who was a really highly touted recruit, stays at LSU when Brian Kelly comes down, and then, you know, leaves after one year. Uh, down there in the bayou. So what do you expect to see with this quarterback position uh, there at Ole Miss this year? Spencer Sanders as a caretaker for the role until Walker Howard is ready. I think, you know, that that pull for Walker Howard was a big one for Lane Kiffin, especially in the, uh, you know, the wake of not getting Arch Manning. Uh, this was a really big get for him. And, you know, Spencer Sanders, I, 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 he was being courted by a lot of, a lot of places through the portal. And for him to end up there, you have to wonder if he was given some guarantees, like this is your job, this is your position. And he's good enough to own the position. He's better than Jackson Dart. And, you know, not to throw shade on Jackson Dart, but I, this was not the quarterback that Lane ultimately thought that he was going to end up with. And, you know, last year we didn't know if it was going to be Luke Altmeyer or Jackson Dart. It was never Dart's position 
until we got into the season and there weren't a lot of other options. But still, you know, there's a difference between ability, which Luke Altmeyer just didn't have in comparison to Matt Corral. And then there was learning the playbook, which Jackson Dart displayed even late in the season that he still couldn't pick up some of the playbook. So this is Spencer Sanders' his, his position. Walker Howard, I, I kind of relay it to a Garrett Nussmeyer going on down at LSU, right? I mean, he is the eventual champion of that quarterback position. He's good enough to lead that team to the college football playoff. I'm talking about Garrett Nussmeyer, not Walker Howard. But that's what's going on at Ole Miss is we have a caretaker role with a super senior coming through the portal uh, or graduate, I should say. Uh, and that's going to be Walker Howard's position. So last year, uh, we started off the college football season with a really thrilling game um, and, and one that put uh, Anthony Richardson on the map for you know maybe being a high pick, which ultimately he was. He went fourth overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Out goes Richardson. Out goes Osiris Torrance, uh, you know, a second-round guard. Some thought maybe he'd slip into the first round there. And Florida... I don't have the numbers. I think it's 91, Colin. You might have it. I think this is the first non-conference game out of the state of Florida, I want to say, in almost three decades, something insane like that. They open the season on the road at Utah. I would love this game to be in November. Um, But you've got Utah sitting there, bringing back a lot. You mentioned Notre Dame and staying in-house with with their offensive coordinator. That's because Andy Ludwig, whether he turned them down or the buyout didn't play out, whatever it was, Andy Ludwig is still at Utah, and that's a Mm -hmm. huge victory for the Utes. They bring back a lot, but Cameron Rising is coming off an ACL tear in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I haven't heard. I assume he won't play in this game. It's a pretty sizable number, right? Nine and a half for Utah against Florida. Uh, Any angle you're looking at for that week one game to start off the college football season on a Thursday night in Salt Lake? Yeah, it definitely is dependent on Cam Rising, which it does not look like he's going to be a participant in summer camp or he's going to be able to start the season. So, you know, we have to go back to the drawing board. Plus, you know, you're when you lose your top tight end, what's crazy is, is Utah runs a lot of 12, 13 and 14. They're loaded at tight end. So the handicap really isn't the fact that they lost their all-star tight end because they have another one behind them. Uh, they have running back, a running back stable that's just absolutely loaded and deep. Uh, so, you know, I like Utah to win this game. The problem last year was Utah had the game one and Cam Rising gave it away at the end. Uh, there were more end zone picks on Cam and Cam Rising games in fourth quarters last year that I can keep count of because it cost me some money. But, you know, I would, I would love to back Utah here, but I'm not sure I could do it without Cam Rising. I have not been a fan of Billy Napier over the years uh, with, you know, some of his play calling and, uh, you know, the way that he has run games. And, and you know, there are things at Louisiana where I've, I've seen him, you know, kind of outclassed it from a coaching perspective by some of the other, you know, uh, head coaches that have gone through the Sun Belt. Um, and there are whispers, you know, coming out of there that this is not a very comfortable fit. So now you're going to take this Florida team that is deeply entrenched in the South that never leaves and is going to go travel to elevation and play in Salt Lake. Uh, I think that's probably factored into the number. It is a little bit higher than I think than my projection. And this is somebody that does not back Florida whatsoever. Uh, but, but you know, I would still look to back Utah um, uh, no matter what. Um, so nine and a half is a little high, but I think the quarterback situation, I've got to see what the drop is from Cam Rising to what's behind them. You know, I was looking at your power ratings, and they're available uh, at Action Networks, uh, at the actionnetwork.com. So, uh, you know, as I always say, look, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people I respect that have different ratings. Check them all out, and, uh, you know, you decide 
for what you will. Um, and, and I was looking at yours and then I was looking at some of these lines and a, a couple mm-hmm. games that I had already kind of circled. It intrigued me to kind of get a little bit of more perspective of, of your backing uh, as we get through the weeds of week one. Um, and, and, you know, initial game that really jumped out to me, Colin, and, you know, we talked about it uh, on my show earlier this week with Paul Stone. And it's crazy to say situational spot in week one uh, because it's week one. Everyone's geared up for week one. Um, but I think Texas Tech having to go up to Laramie is a very interesting spot. You're high on the pokes based off of you know how you project them in the Mountain West. Uh, Texas mm-hmm. Tech in week two gets to host Oregon, which I think is a, a huge opportunity there for the Red Raiders. And now you've got Wyoming catching 14 at home. They usually play well as a dog at home. Um, you know, like I said, kind of with Utah, I wish this was, you know, sometime in November, it'd be great. Get a little weather, but Texas tech's got a lot of buzz here and they, they're building off a, a quality end of the season last year with Joey McGuire in year number one is Wyoming catching two touchdowns, a look for you in week one against Texas tech. It is, but I need signs of life on the offensive side because mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing there. They were not capable of running any kind of offense. And I'm talking even a conservative ground-based offense that's simply just handing the ball off. Uh, Wyoming has serious issues in generating any kind of offense whatsoever. So, you know, you're not really scared about what they're going to do on the offensive side. Now, they return absolutely almost everything on the defensive side. They've done well in the portal. I don't expect any changes there with them from that from that perspective. But yeah, I am high on Wyoming, but we're getting a ton of defense back and we're getting a ton of offense. It's, the problem is, is that the offense was not very productive uh, whatsoever. I'm looking at 98th in success rate, 96th in finishing drives. Uh, the offensive coordinator, you know, didn't really have a lot of answers in the offseason or during the spring game. The spring game was more of the defense terrorizing the offense. The offensive line couldn't protect the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks made a ton of mistakes. I think there were I, – I, I put it in my preview I put out on Twitter. I think it was like seven turnovers that the defense forced. So it is a spot where you would want to back Wyoming because elevation, especially for a team like Texas Tech, because I, I believe the elevation at Lubbock may be the same as uh, sea level. Uh, but uh, it's a pretty rough it's a pretty rough travel spot for them. Uh, and at the same time, Wyoming usually does play better at home. It would have been nice to be a late-season game, get some snow going on up there. But, you know, the hype on Texas Tech – is going to be real this year. Um, you know, the Big 12 media days are going to kick off on July 12th. And, and I can tell you that Texas Tech is going to pull a lot of love uh, without ever playing a game. Now, can they stay healthy? Right. You lost Donovan Smith. So you're not as you're not as deep in the quarterback room. Uh, we'll see if Baron Morton can continue to uh, elevate his game the older that he gets. And, uh, and Tyler Shuck is still around. So, you know, Texas Tech has a really good team. But I think this is too many points at 14 and a half. I, I'd be. A bigger buyer, but you know, I think I power rate this at ten. So obviously, I would I would play this game all the way. It's a really good spot for Wyoming. I just need some offense, Tim. Uh, yeah. There is none. Well, and and here's you know I'm already mapping it out, Colin. All right, let's get a close game here, and then then we can get the everybody on Oregon opportunity week two down there on the plains in Lubbock, and boom, we we grab the Red Raiders guns up and. Uh, we get a we get a nice little home spot there for Texas Tech against Oregon. Um, I, you know another game. And Tyler Shuck too, right? Yeah, Tyler exactly. Shuck too. I mean, that's a huge little, game. Re- little revenge spot there. All right, another game that uh, I got to imagine you've already jumped in over the counter on this one, just based off of your power ratings. Is uh, I you know I know I know the Cal um, 
athletic department is uh, is not uh, oozing money. But why in God's name are you opening up the season on the road in Denton? I don't know. Uh, Cal's laying seven right now at DraftKings against North Texas. Now, North Texas, new coach. Uh, they bring in, uh, it was Eric Morris, uh, former, you know, incarnate word coach. So, you know, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, and they bring in, uh, who was it? Chandler Rogers, uh, UL Monroe's quarterback. Austin Ani is is gone, but. Is this a spot to look to uh, to back the mean green here at home, catching seven against Cal? Yeah, this is one of those games where, I, I mean, listen, I understand when somebody on Twitter says your power ratings are not even close to the market that's out there. And it happens in a couple instances. And this is one of them because I make North Texas a favorite as to where, you know, the <laughs> – they're, you know, at what, a, a touchdown? Are they a touchdown dog? I haven't looked at the line. Seven, today, but yeah. Uh, yeah, seven. So, you know, and I understand that. But at the same time, I wish people would realize that this is not me simply dumping 133 teams out and saying, well, this team should be above this team and this team should be above this team. The power ratings come because of what you produce from a returning experience with your TARP, from the portal, from your roster that you had last year, the stats that you had. And it also comes from second order win total. It also comes from turnover regression. You can think of me knocking four points off USC because they <laughs> led the turnover margin last year. Uh, and North Texas just checked the boxes in all of them. They returned 88% of their offense. This was an offense that was top 20 in Havoc allowed, which means they protected the ball extremely well. They get all of that offensive line back. They were top 35 in finishing drives. This is a team uh, you know, that returned 62% of their defense, although the defense was absolutely horrible. Uh, so, you know, at the same time, I, I, I see that and I understand people that say, Hey, you're nowhere close to what the number is. My job making power ratings is not to put out what the books put out. My job is to be ahead of the books. And at the end of the year, North Texas is going to be power rated much higher than, you know, what they are looking at right now. So I, I do like them in week one to start off, uh, even with the coaching change, even with, you know, everything that's going on, they return so much. Um, you know, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I absolutely have already taken. I think was this not eight at some point seven half eight? It, it might have been. I, I'm just looking at it now, uh, sitting there at seven, and uh, certainly am fascinated by that. And I know another team in the G5 that you're you're pretty high on, and uh, we can get into it is Toledo. Uh, the Rockets uh, they're catching eight and a half on the road against the Fighting Belamas in Week One. Uh, that line at, at DraftKings right now. So you know, I guess you know as as Folks will get into Maction when it comes October and November, but you're you're jumping into your Maction in May right now. Uh, catching eight and a half for this Rockets team, I guess, first off, why are you so high on Toledo this year? And secondly, uh, is this a spot to look to back a team from the MAC in week one? Yeah, I mean, this is a game where I make Illinois just a four-point favorite, right? So obviously I am much lower in the market for Illinois than everybody else is, and I love Toledo because they return absolutely everything. Uh, they have instant offense. They can score at any point. They're one of the most explosive teams in the group of five. Uh, and, you know, when you return everything and you have stability at the coaches and the coordinators position, and you're going up against an Illinois team that lost absolutely everything from the defensive side of the ball, it just, you know, I mean, this Toledo team returns 85% on offense. Uh, they're getting their quarterback back. Uh which, you know, if he doesn't have any turnovers, and I said this on Twitter, I think, to somebody, I was like, listen, if you can guarantee me that there aren't going to be turnovers by the offense, I would take them in this spot. As a top 20 finishing drives team from last year, they returned 74% of their defense. 
And, you know, when you look at what Bielema's got coming back, it's it's nowhere close. You think of Devin Witherspoon going in the NFL draft. Well, he isn't the only one. They, You know, they're returning 51% on their defense, which is well below national average. Yes, they were top five in finishing drives and success rate, but, you know, they lose the biggest beef of that. And their offense was outside the top 100 in finishing drives. So no one loves Illinois' offense. They can't put points up on the board, even if they're presented opportunities. And that's not going to change if Bielema's extremely conservative, run-heavy play action Hopefully a Rutgers transfer quarterback can run that offensive style. So, you know, I'm not worried about the Illinois offense. And so if I downgrade them on defense, that's how I get well below what the market is. And I just like Toledo. I think they're they're one of the best teams in the group of five, uh, from a especially from an explosive plays, from a scoring, and from a returning production standpoint. Colin, how high are you on uh, on Washington this year? A team that brings back Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer was was phenomenal last year. They end the season on a high note. Um, it, it feels like it's all systems go there in Seattle. They open up the season uh, as a fourteen point favorite against Boise State at home. So one of those intriguing, you know, week one games in a week one that is you know outside of the LSU Florida State game, which will be phenomenal on that Sunday. It's kind of lacking a little bit of of sex appeal. Uh, how high are you on Washington heading into this year? Very high. Uh, I would like to thank the Westgate for putting up a hundred to one, I believe in Ooh. February or March. And I dropped a dime on it and it, because I believe everybody else released Washington about 60 to one to win the national title. And it was just one of those things where it's like, listen, there's a lot of obstacles here, right? There's the PAC 12. You got to survive. It's, it's, it's now uh, divisionless. So, you know, you got to finish top two, to make the national, make the college football playoff, you can only have one loss. That's they got a tougher schedule this year. But you know, I, I couldn't pass up the hundred to one. And then when win totals came out on DraftKings, I immediately played over nine uh, at plus money because I project them at ten point five. This is an offense that returns ninety four percent. They were top five in every statistical category that I could throw out at you. I was more impressed from the spring game and from the spring practices with what their defense. It's just a brand new modified defense they're going to simplify it a little bit they've got more athletes they've done well in the portal um you know i washington is a legit player to win the pac-12 the problem with me in the pac-12 is that every offense is loaded every offense is loaded i mean i'm staring at the returning production on the offenses right now and there's at least eight of them that return 79 percent. that's a lot of offense coming back for the pac-12 so I like the win total on Washington, nine or above. I like them in all their – in the game of the year, I believe I was the first one. I immediately hit them against Michigan State at minus five and a half or six. I believe that's up to ten and a half now. Peyton Thorne left Michigan State. That made it even better. Um, so, you know, I love Washington any way you can bet them. I think the Pac-12 title is maybe the bet you wouldn't want to make because there's a lot of really good teams in the Pac-12, and they have a tougher schedule this year. So I do love the win total over. Uh, if you can get a national title odds at 61 or maybe make the playoff, uh, I, I do like that. I, I think the Pac-12 is good enough to get a team in. And Washington, all systems are clear for me to say that they're going to be the team that, that conquers. Yeah, and uh, that number 100 to 1, as you mentioned, is uh, is long, long gone. Uh, Michael Penix, I'm looking at Circa right now. They have Penix at 20 to 1 to win the Heisman. So I would imagine with you know, where you sit, at 100 to 1, that might not be interest to you. But if someone right now is trying to decide, would you rather play a Washington to win the title or Penix to win the Heisman? Do you think this offense can put up enough numbers and uh, and get him to New York? 
if I was going to play a Michael Penix Heisman, I would do it knowing that I would take a USC money line on Saturday, November 4th uh, gotcha. against Washington because Michael Penix is going to have to beat Caleb Williams and he's going to have to do it in front of a national audience and he's going to have to get the voters' attention. So saying that, that's your hedge, right? Because it's you and Caleb Williams. It's, it's everybody against Caleb Williams in the Heisman market. Colin, uh, I do want to hit on some of your win totals that you've put out there publicly. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll hit on those. Some have moved, uh, so we'll see if those are still worthy of, uh, of taking a look. But, uh, you know, game of the year markets, uh, you mentioned Michigan State, uh, what they've lost. And I want to get to uh, Peyton Thorne going to Auburn because uh, you have a differing opinion, which I think is great. You know, look, in college football and betting, right, it's, it's always good to hear smart people have differing opinions. And uh, you and uh, a guest last week have a differing an opinion on on the Auburn win total. So I want to get to that momentarily. But in the game of the year market, is there anything else uh, jumping out to you? Your your hogs, you got uh, at LSU catching 18 and a half against uh, uh, Alabama, uh, catching three against Texas A&M. So have you uh, circled the wagons on anything game of the year wise that hasn't moved all that much since you banged it? I, you know, I would say LSU should not be an underdog to Alabama, and I know mm-hmm. that they're going to Alabama. Uh, I have been a fan of LSU since the national title game wrapped against Georgia and TCU. They were my first bet out of the gate. Um, so, I listen, I don't want to pound on Alabama because I can see that the narrative is already out there. It opens 10.5 on the win total. It's already down to 10. Are we going to see a 9.5? It'd be crazy because I don't think they've had nine wins since 2009 with Greg McElroy. So it's, it's been quite a long time since Alabama had nine wins. But I do like LSU in the game of the year, and I like Texas and their look ahead 2-7, right? It's still a road game, and we still need to have a lot proven to us from Quinn Ewers, but they have all the weapons you know, possible. So you know, fading Alabama in game of the years has been very popular in the market, and I think the biggest reason is because they just don't have any separation or juice or electricity on the outside with the wide receivers like they used to. We have lots of questions at quarterback. We have lots of questions about offensive play calling. Uh, we have new defensive coordinator. It, it's, it's a huge question mark. I mean, I'm going into SEC media days with just a laundry list of questions. So Alabama is somebody, somebody I would fade uh, in the game of the year market. At the same time, I'm also fading Tennessee. Uh, I think I'm on an island about this. I mean, I don't understand how you can lose Hendon Hooker, the Balintikoff winner with, you know, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, you can lose, you know, key offensive lineman, you can lose your key edge uh, rusher on the defensive side of the ball, and everybody thinks that your power rating should stay the same. That's not how it works with me. That's not how it works with my power ratings. I have down six and a half points on Tennessee over the offseason because of how much that they've lost. By the way, they also lost their offensive coordinator who's now the head coach in South Florida. So when I look at Georgia against Tennessee in the game of the year market, it's a game I make 19. It's, I mean, I am so not close to anybody else. Nobody has modified Tennessee's power rating. Yet they've lost everything, and I don't understand it whatsoever. So Tennessee and Alabama have been fades in the game of year market for me. Yeah, and they've got some big numbers out there, uh, both of those teams, no doubt about it. Uh, so uh, we'll wrap on this, Colin. I want to go through a couple of your win totals that you've uh, that you've posted out there. We hit on Memphis. Uh, that has moved from initially where you hit it uh, at seven and a half. At seven, it's now up to seven and a half at DraftKings. Uh, we'll stay uh, we'll stay G five here uh, because we're not afraid to get down and dirty with some G five action uh, on the Vincent <laughs> College Football Betting Podcast. Uh, let's go to Boise State. You uh, you hit the under on Boise uh, right now. I'm looking at DraftKings uh, eight and a half 
even money to the under. Is that still worth a play? I believe you banged it at nine, uh, which is mm-hmm. always an important spot where you can get that, you know, that push if they go nine and three. But uh, is that still a play? And and even if it's not, why is Boise State maybe a little down in your eyes? For a lighter amount, I would I would play the under at eight and a half. It's a number I make seven point seven, and I believe uh, SP Plus puts this at about seven point five. So there is room to still bet the under. Uh, or you could play against them in Mountain West conference odds whenever those come out. Because uh, trust me, I cycle through all the apps all day looking for G5 conference odds. Uh, so, you know, uh, it is a game I would play. But listen, you lost – your offense was an abomination, an absolute abomination. Taylor Green had no clue what he was doing. The other quarterbacks had, have all transferred out. The, the offense has been an absolute disaster. And Dirk Cotter comes in takes over the offensive coordinator role, and boom, what do you know? Boise has an offense. So, you know, they brought in this new offensive coordinator. Dirk Cotter, you know, re-retires. They bring in a new offensive coordinator who previously, I believe, was at Northwestern, uh, and he played quarterback at Boise. But I think what really triggered my my brain is during spring practice, he's like, he says, I don't want Taylor Green leaving the pocket. Now he's going to end up leaving the pocket eight to ten times a game. But that if we're we don't want to hang our hat offensively on Taylor Green trying to scramble and make plays. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you've got this dynamic quarterback that can create tons of explosive plays with his legs, and you're not going to have any design plays for him whatsoever. And you and, and he said I, we're going to make it a pro style offense. You don't have a pro style quarterback. All right. So it, it, you're losing like essentially what was to Boise, a genius offensive coordinator. You brought in somebody else that wants to implement his style and put a style on a quarterback that doesn't fit him. And you want to run it conservative. So I don't like any of this. <laughs> you know, it's like you had this offensive setup to where, you know, you're going to outscore all these teams in the Mountain West. But now you're going to go conservative with it and try to take away Taylor Green's best attributes i'm i'm not there whatsoever i would still play under eight and a half on boise state so you mentioned uh odds uh the mountain west odds i don't know if they're at other spots uh they're not at DraftKings, but they are at FanDuel. so i'm gonna run through these uh boise plus 175 they're the favorite i imagine that will not be a play by colin uh fresno <laughs> plus 370 air force plus 430 san diego state plus 750 san jose state wyoming are both at 13 to 1 i don't know if i need to go any further um, but I did see how, you know, on your Twitter handle at underscore Colin one, you had Wyoming projected to have the most conference wins. So mm-hmm. now considering that Wyoming, who we've already talked about, and they've got questions on the offensive side of the ball, but that they have the fifth longest odds in that conference, courtesy of FanDuel is Wyoming someone to uh, take a look maybe at, at the uh, futures market in the mountain West. It, if you would go based upon my projections for conference wins, but I believe I have them at 6.1. Yeah. Uh, Boise at 5.9 and then again it, it's really bunched like Fresno Air Force Boise uh, they're all within I think 0.6 of conference wins so to me they're all pretty even it comes down to schedule breaks uh, <laughs> does will Boise and Wyoming over you know overachieve from offensive uh, perspective can Air Force recover from losing their best offensive skills man this is going to be now that I go down the list I look at Fresno lose, losing Jake Hayner it's like yep. who has the offense that's going to win this conference I think the great thing is when you get into these you know this conference like the Mountain West no divisions anymore so you just need to finish top two if you think they can finish top two then you absolutely have a shot to win the conference title do I think Wyoming can finish top two yes would I buy 13 to one 
I would if it was based on my number. But the problem is, is I know someone's going to release better than 13 to 1. I think that's a little short, okay. right? Because because the win total out there in the market is well below all these other teams in the Mountain West. Someone's going to pop a 15, 20, 25 to 1. I'll be there for Wyoming. I'm sure I will write all about it and continue to receive more hate about how much I love their defense. <laughs> uh, but at 13 to 1, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to let somebody else open a 20 or 25 to 1. All right. Um, like I mentioned, we're we're all over the place, and you know I got to jump, and you probably don't want to talk forever with me, but uh, I do want to hit on a couple more. But I another bet that you put out there, so we're going to talk about it. Texas to win the Big Twelve. DraftKings mm-hmm. has it at plus one twenty. Um, you said, hey, you got questions about this Texas off uh, Quinn Ewers a little bit, but you know I had Paul Stone on the podcast last week, who's you know deep in the heart of Texas, and he said, look, this is a team that every year seems to underachieve. And then he dropped the old, but they are the best team in the Big 12 this year. And he felt like it wasn't all that close. So plus money on Texas to win this conference, worth a look? Well, even though I disagree with Paul sometimes, I completely agree with him here. Uh, They are well above all of their peers in the Big 12 when it comes to talent that they have on the roster. When you look at their schedule, I think they lead the state of Texas twice. When you look at their returning stats, right? Top 20 success rate, top 20 finishing drives, top 20 havoc allowed on offense, 74% of the offense, 63% of the defense. You know, they have it all. They have all the pieces. And I have always been a believer in Sark. I love the two tight end sets that he runs, the misdirection, everything that he does. And Quinn Ewers looked electric in the spring game. He has wide receivers that can separate, get downfield. All those deficiencies I talked about with Alabama, they don't have that on the outside. Texas had it in the spring game this year. Or maybe their corners are really bad. We're going to find out real fast. But, you know, at the same time, Texas has more talent than anybody else. I'm including Oklahoma in this conversation. They have more talent than anybody else in that conference. I absolutely would still buy them two minus 110. All right, let's get to a couple more win totals before letting you run here. We'll go to the SEC, a conference that you know well. Uh, You're an Arkansas guy, but... Uh, you, you pull for your pockets like we all do. So let's uh, let's get to a couple win totals that you like. And uh, we'll go to Auburn. Uh, you know, this is where you will disagree with Paul, which is uh, what mm-hmm. I love. I like to hear differing opinions. He liked the under a little bit, and you like the over. Uh, over at DraftKings, six and a half, juiced minus 165. Uh, let me pull up what it is at FanDuel. But um, why Peyton Thorne coming in, uh, year one down there, uh, for Hugh Freeze, what intrigues you about uh, War Damn Eagle this year? Well, first off, Peyton Thorne knows how to hit receivers, electric receivers downfield. That's all he did at Michigan State with Naylor and Reed. Uh, he absolutely has the arm cannon to get that done. Uh, Hugh Freeze likes to run a lot of play action. Uh, I think Peyton Thorne is a great setup for Hugh Freeze. Um, uh, Auburn has a lot of talent. I mean, I believe Tank Bigsby was going to get out of there, but now he's back. Uh, Jarquez Hunter. Uh, they have all the offensive pieces. And this is Auburn. They've always been able to recruit a front seven. I'm not worried about their defense. I've got them in 97% returning offense, 72% returning defense. And yes, the numbers bat last year were bad, but that's a reflection on Brian Harson. That's a reflection on firing wide receiver coaches after one game played into the year and letting Cadillac Williams call. The, I mean, Throwing last year out, you're returning a ton. You've ravaged the portal. And now you're bringing in a Hugh Freeze who beat Alabama in the heyday, like straight up, 
you know, while he was at Ole Miss. Uh, beat Alabama straight up in the middle of the, the regular season twice. Uh, covered against them all three years. And then, by the way, let me think about this. Yes, Liberty, Liberty came into Arkansas to an SEC team on their field and beat them last year. You can't tell me that Hugh Freeze doesn't know how to coach in this conference. And you can't tell me he doesn't know what he's doing here. And Lane, I'll go back to Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin said last year, I believe it was immediate days, because I remember him saying, and I heard it, I was staring right at him. He said, there is nobody that is more well-prepared on a football field as a head coach than Hugh Freeze. He is the best game day coach out there in college football. I'm like, that is some serious praise. So it's not just me. I mean, the, the other coaches in the SEC praise Hugh Freeze and what he's doing. He's got the quarterback that he needs. He's got the weapons that he wants. He's got an easier schedule. And I think what Brian Harson did to this program last year has softened the number up and made it well worth money this year. Let's stay in the SEC. Let's go to Kentucky. Uh, Devin Leary comes in from NC State. Uh, remember the buzz last year from Devin on Devin Leary? Could he win the Heisman, NC State, all of mm-hmm. this? He gets banged up, uh, and now he's going to Kentucky. And you look at their schedule, uh, and they'll be a pretty sizable favorite in their first four games, and they'll be a favorite in their you know, fifth game against Florida at home. They play Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, at Vandy. Then they have Florida before you know taking on Georgia October 7th, but they get Tennessee at home. They get Alabama at home. Not saying they're going to win those games, but they get Missouri at home. You like Kentucky over. It's juice minus 145 on six and a half wins. Uh, what about uh, uh, Big Blue Nation this year uh, leans you to the uh, over six and a half? Well, it's interesting, the, the, the psychology about how I got to Kentucky, right? Because first mm-hmm. off, the numbers, the numbers are numbers, right? They're, they're yep. here in the, in the database. I see them. I should act on them. But when you start thinking about this logically, I don't like Tennessee this year. I don't think they should be at nine and a half or nine. Do I just take an under or do I go and look at maybe peppering a few of the teams in the SEC East? When I get to Kentucky, the first thing that comes off my head is that Will Levis could not be healthy because that offensive line was an absolute disaster last year. Didn't return much, couldn't stay healthy, couldn't protect Will Levis, and you have to have an offensive line in Stoops' system. So when you go and you look at all the experiences coming back to Kentucky, 82% of their offensive line comes back. 82% of snaps of all the snaps that they had last year come back in the offensive line. 89% of the yards from receiving, they come back. 86% of the rushing yards, they're back. Devin Leary steps into a great situation. He steps into an offensive line that's going to be able to protect him. Um, now, granted, I don't think my you know my win total is not much higher than what the market is out there, but it's more than a game, so I do like the over here on this team. Devin Leary's in a great position, and they do get those tough games at home. All right, final win total will be a Debbie Downer to close this out here. Uh, the mighty trees of Stanford. Uh, it is, uh, as we hear in the uh, oof in your voice there, um, DraftKings is at three, juice to the under, minus 120. FanDuel, you could pay extra 50 cents and get under three and a half at minus 170. Uh, you are expecting a long, long year for the boys out in the Bay uh, Stanford win total, we'll say three and a half. It's out there right now at FanDuel. So, uh, what what it what is uh, to not like about Stanford this year in uh, in year one of a of a new era? Uh, how about I start with the only good piece of news, which is I love their head coach. I love Troy Taylor coming in from Sacramento State. Sacramento State was an FCS team that a lot of us love to play on to uh, cover spreads against Power Five and, and and Group of Five teams and. 
he's a great coach. He's a great offensive mind. He's going to get them there. The problem is he has nothing. He has nothing. He at the, During spring practices, every position was up for grabs and being competed on by five or six different players. We're talking 33% of the offense is coming back. 42% of the defense is coming back. And they didn't really have much last year, especially when it comes to statistical categories where they ranked. I project them at 1.2. I know the almighty SP plus is important to people. That's at 1.9. It's not a reflection of Troy Taylor as a head coach. It's a reflection of they don't have the players that he wants to run his system. His system involves a lot of spread with tight ends, a lot of pistol, a lot of motion, a lot of misdirection. He doesn't have the quarterbacks. He doesn't have the running backs. He doesn't have the offensive linemen that can pull and do that misdirection. He just doesn't have anything that he needs to run his offensive system. So does he bend and run something conservative? Well, that's not going to help either. And by the way, the Pac-12 is absolutely loaded. And, you know, you mentioned Cal earlier going to North. I love Cal. I mean, Cal bringing in Sam Jackson and King Daru. Like, there's not a bad team out there. Like, I, I don't think Colorado is going to be that bad, right? I think Colorado is a four-win team. They're not a mm-hmm. 1.2 team like like Stanford. There's no wins for Stanford here in the conference. And, you know, they wrap up the season. Granted, they beat Notre Dame last year. So, I guess, <laughs> you know, still one of the more dumbfounding uh, performances of the year. But, yeah, you got Hawaii to open on the road. You got Sacramento State. And then, you know, after that, will they be a favorite at all? I guess I'll I'll, I'll wrap on this. Uh, because you can't do a college football discussion uh, in 2023 without asking about Colorado. So what is your power rating on Colorado? And and have you done anything, whether it be a game of the year line, I know they're laying or catching 20 and a half, I think is the number right now against TCU. What have you done with Colorado uh, heading into 2023? Absolutely nothing. Uh, you know, from a roster perspective, they got five and a half points for me from returning experience. Uh, that has fluctuated. And, you know, I I do love criticism on Twitter when people say, hey, you know, why is your power rating this? And how did you get to experience that? Colorado's tough to gauge because, I mean, how how many scholarship players have exited the building and how many new players have entered the building? It's over 50. So, you know, being able to go through one by one with three stars, four stars, five stars, you know, what is Shadour going to be able to do at quarterback? What are the weapons around him? This will be the most heavy power rating curation in the history of college football after that game against TCU, right? I mean, I, I there could be a 14-point jump, negative or positive, after that game against TCU. We're just not going to know until these guys hit the field. It's a collection of players. Like, it, you know, it's like a cross-country bus trip, and they just started inviting players on. Oh, hey, we're here at the field. We're ready to play. It's, it's hard to handicap it. It's hard to say. So it's a stay away for me. Uh, complete stay away until I see him against TCU. Um, you know, everybody's coming down on them because of the size that they had from the pictures that they saw in, during the spring game and such. But they do have some talent coming in through the portal. So I'm not quick to fade them. At the same time, I'm not uh, trying to lay my money six months ahead of time on them. Colin, you could follow him on Twitter at underscore Colin one. He's putting in the work, folks. And uh, over at the Action Network, he's going to have columns coming out. Uh, all throughout the summer months, him and Stucky, uh, two of my guys, love listening to them, love uh, chopping it up with them, big bets on campus, and of course, uh, the insider, the one and only Brett McMurphy over there as well. Colin, appreciate the time, man, uh, and uh, we'll see you out here at Circa for Mountain West uh, uh, Media Day in July. I can't wait to be there. Uh, Pac-12 coming up right after that, too, so I'll be there all week. Can't wait to see everybody. 
There he is, Colin Wilson. We'll be back next week. Once again, rate, review, and subscribe to the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast. See you, folks. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.